I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome in family to fill in the blanks with Jarvis Davis. I am Tanitra Batiste and we have a special guest with us. We are so excited that Brandon Robinson, a.k.a. Scoop B, is in the building. What's up, Scoop? It's the sky. What's going on with you? Man, nothing much. Just another lovely day in the A. Can't I complain. Love Scoop I love it. Did you have your Magic City Wings yet today? Oh. <laughs> Still on oh. my to-do list for my field trip. Still uh, got, you know, I got to get that done. Um, got to decide if I'm going to go with my clear heels or not when I go in for my field trip. Uh, not the clear joints. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's... You know what, Scoop, man? Have you had the wings? That's the question. Have you had the Magic City wings before? No. Uh, the closest I've had to it is probably Hooters wings. Other than that, and I know there's no comparison. No. Yes, yeah, don't. Yeah, no. you shouldn't even mention that. No, 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 no. So, Scoop, we owe you. We owe you a field trip the next Indeed. time you're in Atlanta. Fill in the blanks. Our crew will definitely not just hook you up with Magic City, but we got wings and things all over town. So we want to make sure that you get all of that. But listen, so much to talk about with you, man. We want to get in. And I'm going to start where I was last night. Made me think about you, made me think about Jarvis, because you guys know I'm originally from New Orleans. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'm not watching No Limit Chronicles. I mean, like, I don't know that story top to bottom. Like, I didn't live that story top to bottom. But (laughs) in actuality, it was very interesting it was thought provoking, and I did. I learned a lot in watching uh, episodes one and two of the Chronicles. So, school, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the documentary, but also your thoughts on Master P because you had an opportunity to speak with P one on one recently. I have not watched the No Limit Chronicles. However, I lived it like you, except further east. Um, that being said, um, I'm fascinated by his story. Um, I did speak with Master P. Ironically, uh, I spoke to him uh, on Instagram Live. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at school underscore B to check it out as posted. But also the night before that, I was doing something with Heavy.com on their Facebook Live. And I actually had, I texted brother Silk, yo, come on my, on a live. We did crazy numbers. He told some crazy stories just about 
you know, their, their, their journey. Um, and Silk is a, is, a, is a good dude. So to, to answer your question, um, I love their story. I feel like as much as me being an East Coaster, um, I find that, you know, people are fascinated by the selling the CDs out of the trunk story. Um, and, you know, as, as Lupe Fiasco would say, whatever you did legally or illegally to make it happen. Um, however, um, the byproduct is something that I, I think is very, um, very rags to riches um, and inspirational at large. And I think it's interesting to see the person you grew up looking up to now, you know, pitching game. Uh, and I think it's just interesting. It's a great time, particularly the pandemic. And you know, it's pretty cool. That's one of the things that I really thought that P that I learned from it was the fact that he moved from New Orleans to probably one of the worst hoods in California, in Richmond, California, like in Oakland, on the Bay Area. Like, yeah, this is where I'm moving on. Like, you know, the story talking about moving on up to the east side. Well, he stayed on the west side by going from New Orleans to Richmond and and be able to establish himself out there as a a down south rapper, you know, and those guys kind of accepting him into their culture um, and, and trying to and, and building and moving all his family out there, man. So. Like, what is it that you think that Master P kind of harbored once he got out there? What do you thought? What do you think that is something that brought him to the point where he was like, "Okay, I am going to do this"? Because there was a, a instance where he was offered a million dollars and said, "Nope." And like, what is that? What is that, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the independent route is is something that um. I think a lot of people now, particularly in the digital age, find so fascinating. You know, look at Masterpiece story um, and, and how he you know, created his wealth, um, and then you look at Jay Z's story and how you know Def Jam, you know, wouldn't sign him, or, or rather, the, the prototype back then was LL Cool J, and how Jay would destroy, destroy him lyrically. Um, and you know, LL Spin was always, you know, great. You know, you beat me, but I have to deal and you don't. You know, and I think that's in today's day and age in comparison to, you know, maybe somebody who, like myself, is an indie, you know, that works with a major or, you know, distrib distribution versus somebody who, you know, may be at ESPN. But the funny thing is, there may be somebody from ESPN who calls me for advice, you know. So I think, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of times people buy so much into brands and who signs to wear rather than, you know, the results and who knows who in your impact. And I think that, you know, even when you break down, you know, just how to use the engine, the fact that we're on an app called StreamYard and we're, and we're filtering it out to Twitter, um, Facebook and what have you, um, that's just infiltrating the system and using brands, impact, message and who you know and what you know and who knows you to your advantage. So to me, I, I feel like um, Master P had the recipe uh, to, to the spaghetti sauce that people are still trying to figure out. And now he's giving you samples, but he's not giving you the whole thing. You can't, you can't give him the whole thing. That, that type of advice costs a couple million dollars. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. We got well, B. Robinson here with us. I'm sorry, Jarvis, you, Jarvis, you want to jump in a little bit there? No, I was just going to um, say that I was going to ask you about uh, as far as from an influence standpoint, man. Can you talk about what the type of influence that Stuart Scott may have had on you as a broadcaster? And new Stuart. Um, Stuart, uh, I met Stuart back in 2008. A uh, friend of mine, uh, Jasmine, she worked in VH1 at the time, and uh, she called me. She was like, yo, come to, come to VH1 because Stuart's filming something. I want you to meet him. So I was like, all right, bet. So I got on the train, hit, hit over to Manhattan, and um, 
he was taping like a bunch of different segments for something he was working on. And um, when he was done, we sat and we talked for a little while just about my plans. I had just finished undergrad uh, university uh, right outside of uh, Philadelphia. And, you know, he was asking my plans, what I wanted to do next and just, you know, the, the long form. And we talked about just his, his ability to, you know, start small market and work his way up. How, you know, he basically, you know, understood, he, he was able to go somewhere else to make his mistakes and then get on the, on, on the big platform at ESPN. Mind you, read the teleprompter with one eye. That To me, that's like wow. fascinating. The, the only thing I can think of, and I mean this respectfully, is like the count on Sesame Street. He had the glass eye. Could you imagine the count? Right. Yeah. One eye on the teleprompter. That, to me, that's skill. Yeah. Um, then uh, over the years, like I remember the last time I saw it, I, I was in contact with, with Stuart. We bumped into each other. At a, at a metal detector, uh, get ready to go into a VIP section at the, the uh, Super Bowl um, party that EA Sports was having. And, um, you know, he had gone through what he was going through. He was sick. And, you know, but just his level of familiarity with people. And the thing that I find interesting, more specifically about Stuart, is, you know, the fact that he was able to bring your uncle, your father, your cousins into your living room mm-hmm. by the way that he used certain uh, catchphrases yeah. uh, in a way that many people in mainstream, you know, look down on him. And it's funny because everybody wants to be down. Everybody wants to be real. I feel like he was ahead of the curve in that regard. And, you know, he made people who look like us want to be him. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I, and I, and I think for just the, the influence that he had on me, it's like he made it cool to be cool or be like the, you know, your uncle, you know, at a family reunion at the cookout talking, just talking about sports. Oh, mm-hmm. and like I said, it's amazing how that was down. That was looked, looked upon back then. But now, man, it seemed like if you don't have a little bit of that, people aren't going to give you a shot. So uh, I think that that influence he had was, was, was super heavy. Uh, and, and what goes into being a broadcaster to this day. I think in a lot of respects, he carried the burden of representation, you know, uh, being you know the first you know and yeah. so he didn't mess it up for for everybody else that, that came after him and i remember uh, maybe about four or five years ago sitting down with uh, stephen a smith and him saying to me like when he got that deal with sirius xm uh, where he was he was able to do his show on there you know i remember there was this whole dialogue about african americans uh, who could potentially talk sports on a on, a, on sirius xm and you know the talk was well the, the, in this day and age, is there any African Americans you know who are at the top of your game, you know who who can carry off car- carry on that, that 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 voice for a few hours? And you know I, I think you know Stephen A. being in that position, I think is, is groundbreaking, um, but it also opens the door for the next, you know, because you know there are other African American voices that are out there, and Stephen A. doesn't just speak for all African Americans because there's so many layers to that, and I mean that respectfully. I, I respect what he does. You know, but I believe that Stuart Scott was the key to start the engine to bring in other names like Jamel Hill, uh, Bomani Jones, uh, Stephen A. Smith, uh, and, and, and Chris Haynes, and, and, and some of the other you know voices that we that we hear today. So you know, Stuart Scott was definitely that catalyst in that regard. He was that aggregator in, in that regard. And Scoop, you are one of those voices that you mentioned the word indie. And one of those voices that with Stuart Scott kind of paving the way on doing it his own way, even being with a brand like ESPN, he still did it his way. And a lot of what you do, whether it's with Scoop B Radio, where you can check out so much of your great work at ScoopBRadio.com or your Instagram platform or 
just being one of the go-to NBA insiders, definitely you have carved, carved that niche for yourself as well. So when I think about Restart, you know, that was one of the first thoughts when you and I spoke. I wanted to get your thoughts on, on that because your voice is one of the voices that people listen to to hear about, among other things, the NBA. So what are your thoughts now that we're a little over a week into the Restart? What do you think about how we've progressed? And that's kind of part one of the question. And then part two is looking at the restart and the team, you know, we've got the teams that we know are the teams to beat. And then we've got these sleepers kind of talk about your assessment of where we are relative to getting to the NBA finals. Well, first of all, I was skeptical uh, at first about um, just even getting a collection of men, 22 teams uh, inside of a bubble, uh, COVID free, drama free, um, respectfully, women free as it relates to extracurricular activities. Yeah, let's be real. And you know, that's why we're talking about Magic City at the beginning of the, of the top of the broadcast. But Indeed, right. <laughs> speaking, um, I think the NBA has done a good job um, just in getting um, people uh, on one accord safely um, and more. You know, having zero positive tests in a, in a, in a time frame. And even those who have it, uh, eloquently finding a way to get them rebuked, healed, and delivered. Uh, that being said, uh, I think that they've done good. I mean, the worst we're worrying about is Derek Favors' birthday cake uh, being snatched because uh, <laughs> his birthday was July 15th, and that's a headline. You know, I think that that's interesting just where we've gone. Um, but to specifically answer your question, um, I think the thing that, that stood out and has been resounding throughout the course of the season um, it's the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, 51 and 15, officially clinched um, the first place in, the, uh, in both the Pacific Division and NBA's Western Conference, and you know, first place in the Western Conference. And so, um, I think that you've been seeing, you know, the emergence of, you know, Anthony Davis at large uh, the other day, scoring 42 points um, and, and holding 12 rebounds, hitting, going 50% from three, uh, getting, you know, block shots. Uh, you know, to, to use this phrase from uh, from Friday after next Friday, baby D sell here, babysit and sell weed at the same time. The cops don't know when to kick the door in. You know, so, <laughs> so many different things at one time. Right, uh, right. I think what's interesting about it is LeBron is actually doing less. You know, was a league leader. You know, in assists. I spoke to Magic Johnson a couple months ago just about. Uh, what he thinks of LeBron's emergence in Los Angeles this season as opposed to last season. He said he's really, you know, playing the point forward position, you know, in a way that, you know, he played and, and with, with the Los Angeles Lakers when he won five NBA championships. So, you know, when I look at uh, the ability of, of LeBron James, I think the sky's the limit um, for them, particularly because Anthony Davis is playing well throughout the course of the season, you know, AD and I have had this running joke, you know, are you, are you and LeBron, you know, uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he said at the beginning of the season, LeBron told him they're more like peanut butter and banana, not quite peanut butter and jelly. So like every time we see each other, it's a matter of, yeah, peanut butter and jelly yet? Are we talking Smuckers? Are we talking, are we talking Nutella? Are we talking Dole uh, uh, bananas? Like where are we going with this? And I think the other night uh, when, when, you know, they, they, they dropped the hammer on the Utah Jazz, um, I think they, they showed in ways outside of the pick and roll why they are truly almond butter, peanut butter, and jelly. And to be able to do it with everything that's going on, not just dealing with the pandemic, 
but all of the political, the civil, the social unrest and being so focused and so on message. It's just amazing, amazing to watch what LeBron is able to do, because we know he has certain rituals, we'll call it, where he may pull back on social media, if you will, as he begins. Or Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's very impressive what uh, what he's still able to do while staying on message with something that important and really making the case for, listen, you know, Scoop, we don't know whether he's going to get MVP, whether it's going to be Giannis or whatever. But to me, in a totally different space, he has more than made the case for maybe the social justice MVP and the, the one who says, undoubtedly, it's my voice, whether it's on the court or off the court, that determines where and when where this league is going to go, what this league is going to be about. What you think, Jarvis? Wow. Uh, to be honest with you, Scoop, I, I think one of the things that when, when we talk about, that's that's one thing that I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like how do we continue this? Because it's easy to to have these conversations and have those those answers, you know, and talking about Breonna Taylor, uh, and, and, you know, in every response to each question that's being asked. Right now, when we're there in this confined bubble, in, in this confined space, and all the eyes are are on them at this point. And I just, I just, I, I'm really interested to see how this conversation continues, um, just from an action standpoint, because I know guys like LeBron, man, like. I was just having this conversation with a couple of my homeboys. We have a little group chat, and we always get into the whole who's the GOAT, you know, and, and all that stuff. And, and my whole thing is with, with LeBron is I can't even refer to him as the GOAT because of just all the things that he's been able to accomplish since he came into the league. And when you go back to what he was – all the hype coming in. I remember watching his high school game on ESPN. That was unheard of back now. But now it's, it's the norm. Like we talk about trailblazers with Stuart Scott and how things weren't necessarily being done back then, but now it's the norm and those trailblazers. But th this guy has lived up to all the hype and exceeded those expectations. And now just add this social justice thing from starting the schools and, and, and starting uh, fun, funding for to get guys down in Florida to get those guys um, so they can be able to vote in this upcoming election, man. It's just so many things. Like I said, I want to name him the Black Panther. Like, forget the GOAT. He's, Michael Jordan can have the GOAT. LeBron is the Black Panther of, of, of basketball right now. So I think that he's a guy that's going to head that 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 that, uh, that path down to continuing this thing from going forward i'm just interested to see who's going to fall in line and like all right lebron is doing it like this i'm just been watching him taking notes and who's going to be that next guy to kind of step into that to the forefront Wakanda forever no doubt man well <laughs> <laughs> scoop man like i think one of the benefits of of the nba bubble and where it kind of stands at this point is for, I've gotten a chance to kind of watch guys I don't normally get a chance to watch just from a market standpoint. So, um, and it's two guys that have really stood out to me. Uh, and I want to kind of ask a two-parter. I know that's not, you know, what you're supposed to normally do, but, you know, hey, I'm that type of guy. I do that. But <laughs> um, first part is... <laughs> so, John Morant versus Zion Williamson. Who's the real rookie of the year? And then... Also, the big man, the Joker, Nikola Jokic. How good can he be? Well, I want to start with Jokic first, and then I will get into John Morant and, and Brian, if that's okay with you. That's fine, my man. Do your thing. I look at Jokic. Um, 
<clears throat> the thing that stands out to me is um, Jokic is everything that Tom Tolbert was supposed to be. Do you remember the name Tom Tolbert? Yes. Tom Tolbert yeah. played in the, in the one TMC era, uh, Golden State Warriors, ended up being an analyst on NBC mm-hmm. uh, during that, that era of NBA and NBC. And um, there were often times in that offense where Tom Tolbert, where Tim Hardaway wasn't bringing up the ball. He was initiating that offense uh, in, in that system. And when I look at Jokic, uh, every 24 seconds, Jokic has his hands on the basketball in some way. Yeah. Uh, whether that is bringing the ball up uh, and initiating the offense, not just in the half court set, uh, but but on, on on just bringing it up casually on fast breaks, uh, directing traffic, getting the Mason Plumbies of the world, Michael Porter Jr. involved. That game the other day, he he, ever, he had like thirty points against the Oklahoma City Thunder the other day. Um, you know, game went to overtime, and you know Chris Paul has been playing astounding basketball as well. That's another case study. Of, you know, trusting the process and not just, you know, wanting to get up and be bought out and traded, et cetera. He, you know, he, he, he stayed in and he had an impact on that particular team. But, you know, to go to your question about Jokic, um, a guy that means a lot to that team, you have other bigs, but those other bigs can't do what he does. Ball mm-hmm. was interesting to look at um, in, in the offense, not just defensively. Um, but just specifically about Jokic, man, um, Malone's system, it really does predicate itself around – you know, big men, you know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, Paul Millsap, uh, the guy that you guys know well uh, during the Hawks days, you know, is a tweener, three, four, five. And, you know, he's in a safe space, you know, in, in Denver uh, playing against uh, any team that comes their way, particularly, you know, a top heavy uh, Los Angeles Lakers team and a well-balanced, well-oiled machine in the Los Angeles Clippers as well. Um, so I, I think Jokic to me, you know, whether it was hitting the three, whether it's, um, you know, driving to the basket, whether it's posting up. Um, I, I'm impressed with his play. I really do like Jokic a lot. Was, was saddened when, you know, he did contract COVID. I'm glad he's safe. Mm-hmm. He lost a lot of weight. You know, yeah. he very Al Sharpton-like. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> you kind of questioned him, like, wait a minute, would you get that package, boy? <laughs> uh, and, uh, I like Jokic um, on that team. Mm-hmm. Your question about um, – the difference between Zion and John Moran, I had this conversation with Charles Barkley back in the spring. And he said to me, man, if, if Zion Williamson is awarded the, the rookie of the year over John Moran, I'm going to blow a gasket on TNT. So, you know, I, I think if, if that happens, we should maybe put an APP bulletin out out in Atlanta. Uh, no doubt. Videos for that. Make sure you, you let me know. Um, <laughs> I'm with Chuck on that one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, man, I, I think when you, when you look at that situation, right, so John Moran – came into this league not expected to be great in the sense of at least in his first season, a guy that was the second pick in the draft by the Memphis Grizzlies, um, you know, had to prove himself in a, in, a, in, a, in a year where everybody was paying attention to Duke, R.J. Barrett, Zion mm-hmm. Williamson at large, mm-hmm. came in and just produced. Um, I mean, uh, imagine if that dunk that he had on Kevin Durant, oh, excuse me, uh, Kevin Love, uh, Love yeah. happened. Um I think every everybody would have that poster in their room, but I like to freeze frame it. I posted it on, on on Instagram like back in December, and I and I put in the caption, "2020, I'm coming for you." The part where he had it, where he, where he <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, the, thing about, the thing that I think John Moran has benefited from is this: um, as much as Memphis has done great this year. Um, they've benefited from Portland struggling at the beginning of the season, dealing with injuries. Mm-hmm. And I think you started to see their youth some in January. 
um, particularly when they lost as many games as they did. And Portland found a way to, 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 to come back in that regard. Portland, you know, dealt with injuries to uh, Damian Lillard, uh, C.J. McCollum, uh, Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic, and then yeah. brought in Carmelo Anthony, the guy that I, I have been, you know, campaigning for to, to, to be picked up by a team because I feel like he got a world deal in Houston. Uh, and kind of seeing some of those those things in Houston, great that Houston won the other night uh, in, in a thriller on, on, on the primetime game. But imagine if Melo was on that team with them. You know, it maybe it would have been a different story. Seeing him, you know, reap the benefits of just being, being patient, steadfast, and faithful uh, in, in that regard. Um, but as it relates to John Morant, man, um, I think he's won it the right way. There's no agendas with him in that regard. And it seems like there is an agenda that gives Ion that, that, excuse me, that rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say he won't be great, but this year it's been about Ja partnering with, with Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valenciunas, uh, and, and, and some of those other guys on that team. I spoke with Ja's dad uh, on the Scoopy Radio podcast uh, recently, and you know he said that he thinks that Zion deserves it. Oh, excuse me. He believes that Ja deserves it. Blue, blue, blue. Okay. How about I say, woo? <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> um, and uh, he says that if he does not win it, it'll be the equivalent of a, a certain uh, All Star Weekend snub that happened uh, in a slam dunk contest. And, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, Scoop, I got a couple questions for you before we wrap up, and it's just been fantastic just picking your your mind. It's, it's been great. We talked a lot about the Eastern Conference, so I want to switch gears, uh, Western Conference, rather, want to switch gears to the Eastern Conference and kind of talk about them outside of the obvious. So let's take the Bucks. let's take Giannis away from the conversation for a second, and let's talk a little bit about what we're seeing in, I guess people are somewhat surprised, but maybe not the coaches, because Nick Nurse was one reportedly one vote away from being a co-coach of the year, right? So obviously they're seeing the work Nick Nurse is putting in in the Raptors, but when you look at a team like the Raptors or even, you know, those teams just below, we can go Sixers, we can go Heat, we can go Celtics, but what about the Eastern Conference? Not necessarily asking the question of who could, you know, contend for the NBA final, but I want to know who's in that Eastern Conference do you have your eye on and saying, hey, this bubble looks like it might actually benefit them to maybe do some damage down the stretch. Well, first of all, when you talk about Nick Nurse being one one vote away, it, it does make me think of that uh, that song by the late great Notorious B.I.G. Uh, you might know how it goes. Play a hater, you've been robbed. <laughs> <laughs> fact, yeah, yeah. Look, the fact that um they've been able to do it without Kawhi Leonard, um, the fact that they've legitimately done it with a supporting cast that includes Pascal Siakam, who I've said all year. Yeah. Uh, oh, reminds me of Scotty Pippen when Michael Jordan retired the first time. Mm-hmm. Statistically, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 22 points, five rebounds, somewhere in that range. Um, mm-hmm. When I look at uh, the fact that uh, Fred Van Vliet, a guy that the Knicks will be targeting this offseason, um, has been putting up stellar numbers, 25 here, 30 there, in his first full year as a starter. Um, the fact that the, the Toronto Raptors, um, the only non-American team in the NBA, came to Florida weeks before the bubble happened and they prepared, um, to me, is just a testament to, to the fact that, number one, they were they are being disrespected as the reigning uh, NBA champion yeah, um, going into the season. Everybody pays attention to the Bucks. 
Um, and I remember in the preseason, so many people, you know, were singing the Sixers' praises, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I do like the shift of Ben Simmons to the power forward position yeah. because they're going to get you assists and his playmaking ability is uncanny. But the Toronto Raptors, to me, until further notice, are the reigning uh, NBA champions. Um, and, and I think that um, more respect on their name should be given because they're still developing talent while still growing, while still trying to defend their crown. So until further notice, the Raptors are the champs. To be the champs, you got to beat the champs. Woo! You, you, you really, really do. Now, look, we're going to wrap up talking about this respect on somebody's name. Yes. And there are eight teams out there that deserve some respect on their names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still a little bit salty here in Atlanta <laughs> that we may not get any Hawks action until December. Just saying. But but, but they're but they're developing. I think one of the most underrated yeah. that happened this offseason was bringing Clint Capella to a, a yeah. younger uh, Atlanta Hawks team because every team is built upon the, the point guard play as well mm-hmm. as the big man position. So you know yeah. you, you got both of those. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself and just sort of what you've been hearing um, in the great on the grapevine, you think there's any possibility that we'll get some semblance of a I'm going to call it a summer league 2.0 where we might get to see these teams like is it going to be feasible to see those eight teams in action before the quote unquote 2020 2021 season kicks off if it does kick off in December? Well, there has been talk about uh, the second bubble, uh, which would include teams like the Atlanta Hawks, the Charlotte Hornets, yes. uh, the Bulls, uh, the New York mm-hmm. Knicks, uh, the Golden State Warriors, and more. Um, I, I spoke to Bismack Biombo, uh, one of the vice presidents of the NBA Players Association, and you know, throughout the whole process of um, people figuring out what's next in the spring and early summer, you know, the second bubble has been a discussion. Um, yes. It's just a matter of right fit where why you know chicago uh, was one of those cities that, that they were looking to potentially you know bring something there um you know i was on the fence personally about it because i i could, was concerned about safety but you know if the nba is able to replicate what they've done in orlando and chicago or in, in the city of chicago other places you know i'm all for it but you know there are some players who, who are you know looking forward to it i spoke to a member of the new york knicks um last week on the phone and no, they shared with me, you know, that the Knicks, they're still working out. They're still figuring out what's next, next step. So, you know, if, if that second bubble happens, which I think is what you're asking me about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it would it would it would bode well if they mm-hmm. had some of the same precautions. Agreed. Agreed. And I think there's there's so much momentum and so much success when you go three, I think going into four weeks now with zero positive tests and right. we've seen far less action and activity on the snitch line. So I think people are, you know, players are starting to fall in line. Chris Paul. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one it is. Everyone told y'all years ago, stop snitching. <laughs> right, it's no doubt. You know, hey, Scoot, man, but I know, I know, I know we got to get out of here, Tanisha, but I, I want to ask you this. You talked about the New York Knicks. Does Tom Thibodeau get the Knicks back to – not being the the class, the 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 laughing stock of the league, stock of the league. I think he is. If the Knicks are patient, and so is he. I think it is a five year project um, for the Knicks, and he signed a five year deal. Um, I think that the Knicks, from the developmental perspective, has been something that has been lacking for some years. They're adding more developmental coaches to that organization, you know, at large. And you know, I, I think oftentimes people get. Um, excited whenever names become coaches, but my thing is names can't play on the basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. 
for somebody who grew up here uh, in both mm-hmm. New York City and Northern New Jersey, uh, for me, um, I grew up, you know, like in the Knicks or, or, or at least their nostalgia. And for many people who grew up here, uh, we have a right to be angry. You know, the fact that yeah. they have not, you know, put a, a product on the floor. Now, that being said, I do think it's going to be a five-year project. I, I, I do think that there are things behind the scenes that are that are being discussed. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a situation that if it doesn't work out with Zach Levine, you do find him in New York. Um, there are so many dotted lines there. R.J. Barrett, you know, is, is represented by Bill Delphi as, as well as, you know, Zach Levine. And then, you know, look, you look at situations, what's, what's going on in Minnesota. You look at, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, who is, you know, a, a CAA client. Uh, Leon Rose used to represent him. Um, and, you know, World Wide West is, is a trusted advisor. John Calipari, you know, when John Calipari was with the Philadelphia 76ers as an assistant coach under Larry Brown, you know, World Wide West, who was the executive vice president of basketball operations with the New York Knicks, you know, was a guy who brought him his first recruit when he went over to Memphis and Dewan Wagner was he is Wes's Dewan's godfather. So there's so many different interconnectedness there. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. Uh, and talk about uh, 5G and everything else in between. What you said? No, I'm saying don't 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 tell me you're anti-vaccine like Dwight Howard. No, like we only we, we don't want to go there. <laughs> I tell people my only job right now during the quarantine is to say what needs to be said and every everything in between, pick and choose. But what I'll say is, um, as it as it relates to just you know situation with Levine or Carl Towns and some of those other factors come, that's where relationships come in, you know, so mm-hmm. I think you know, it, it would be an interesting thing in the next five years if you're able to bring in a, a friend Van Fleet, you know, who's having a, a superfluous amount of success you know, with the Toronto Raptors this season and then, you know, in the next couple of years whether you wait for Levine or you force a trade out, um, you know, he potentially comes to the New York Knicks. He's a guy that's engaged um, and, 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 you know, looking to win at this point. He told me back in February that, you know, he thinks he's the top 12 player in the NBA's Eastern Conference and he's getting overlooked, you know. So does he come to New York, give him a better, higher profile? You move from market three or four to market one. And, you know, you look at Carl Anthony Towns, who lives from Piscataway, New Jersey, and, you know, grew up watching the Knicks. And, you know, it, maybe he needs to change the scenery. So yeah. it happens. But I do think it's going to be a five-year process with the, with the New York Knicks. Yeah. And, you know, being in that bubble, the other thing is you hit on the word, Scoop, it's relationships in the NBA. We know it. We've seen it over and over again and how that dictates where team, where the shift is going to be, whether that's team, division, conference, or league overall. So, yeah, definitely we'll be looking to see not just what the Knicks do uh, in the next three to five years with the Tom Thibodeau plan, but also to see exactly what may come out of what may shake out of this bubble. It's going to be interesting to see. I know I'll certainly be watching. I'm sure Jarvis will be watching. I know you're going to be watching. Too, so listen, we appreciate your time, man. We cannot thank you, Mr. Brandon Robinson, better known as Scoopy. You have got to check him out. Scoopy radio podcast. It is amazing. The luminaries that come through, it's just astounding. And it just, the way the scoop's able to pull from the old school, from the new school, and just kind of merge all of it together. It's the intersection of sports, entertainment, and our culture that he does for the culture. He is a senior writer for heavy.com. You can check him out at Twitter, at Scoop B, or you can check him out on Instagram at Scoop underscore B. Scoop, we know this is the first time you're joining Fill in the Blanks, but we certainly hope it is not the last. No, I'll be back. I'll I'll see y'all next week. (laughs) (laughs) Salute, my brother. Thanks, Scoop. Salute. Thank you so much. Listen, everybody, we appreciate you. Be safe in these streets. Take a lesson 
from everybody that's staying safe and mask up and stay masked up. We'll come to See you next week. This is Scripty Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.